Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 003. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. But if you ever had a task or a job that you had to do and you performed it so many times, you just went into zombie mode whenever you had to do it? For some, church and worship can feel that way. There was a time in my life when that was the only way I could describe my Sunday morning experience. Well, today, we're going to explore how three letters can shift that mindset in a fresh and life-giving way. What three letters? Let's find out. The countdown is starting to, to happen if you happen to catch the TV every now and then. Anybody looking forward to the Olympics starting up in uh, just under three weeks now, I think? Now, whether you're an athlete or not, it is always amazing to see the best in the world do what it is they do. And whether it's athletics or, or artistic stuff or music, and I'm always intrigued when it comes to the Olympics by the opening ceremonies. Because as a geek, which I fully admit that I am, I see this as these two, two and a half hours as this artistic interpretation of the host nation's culture and history. And there's a lot, so much you can, you can learn or just experience by seeing how they portray themselves. And often histories are going thousands of years. And if it's done right, which for a $100 million budget, they ought to do it right. I wish it could be like a DVD where I just mute the the commentator's track and just allow myself to be immersed in what the artists are creating and what the actors and the musicians are creating. How much more awesome would it be to actually be there in South Korea in a couple weeks when the event happens live? And to be there and see it all as a, as a panorama around you. How awesome would it be to experience something live that is so far beyond any scale that we have to even put a word to it? And think of the coolest thing you've ever seen. And think we don't even have enough numbers to multiply it by to get to the scene of what Isaiah gets to see today. What would that be like? Let's pray together. God, this day, remind us who you are. Help us in just three letters to learn how you can change lives and transform ministries. Bless us through your words, give me praying. Amen. The passage I'm speaking of is one you may have heard before if you've been around the Bible a little bit. Two of my favorite passages out of Isaiah, out of Isaiah's writing, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And Isaiah writes, And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, angels. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook as the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, 
holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And the seraph touched my mouth with it, and he said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I want you to turn to somebody around you and say, God is awesome. I want you to turn to somebody else and say, God is worthy of worship. All right, now that I know you're awake, we're good. Now for some of you, if you're not there, whether this day or even in your life, you're not ready to see these kinds of things, that's okay. Because there are some weeks where it seems like you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to get through the day. And maybe you sat down for the first time today, or for today, and it's the first time you got to actually take a breath in days. You just, hopefully, I mean, this is a place where you can do that. You can, can settle and, and breathe again. Kind of put life on, the outside life on pause for just a little bit. You may, you may have one of those weeks where, God is great, wonderful. Kids, we got three minutes. Hurry up. We gotta go. Get your shoes on now. Go, 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 go. God is worthy. Wonderful. Now, where in the world did I put my keys? Um, Rachel, did you take them? Right. I forgot that. Maybe you've had these kinds of days. I know I have one of these kind of days about every 24 hours. <laughs> Sometimes, man, we get so face-to-face with life that we, we lose sight of the forest of the trees. So today, as look through this passage, I want, I want us to kind of take a step back. And if you need to, for the first time in days, maybe even in weeks, take that breath. And I want you to think, of some event in your life that was incredibly meaningful to you. Perhaps it was your wedding day, maybe it was the birth of your child or children, maybe it was your graduation day or the day the kids finally left home and you became an empty nester. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> but I'm guessing, you know, I'm guessing you can probably remember every single detail of that event what you were wearing, who was there. I've even had some of those where I can imagine how the lighting is in the room or what's playing on the TV or the radio in the background. And something marks that event in your life. Maybe it's, you think of that event and you think, that's the day Aunt Jean tried to drink during a joke and spewed her, her coffee all the way across the table. Or that's the day that Uncle Lou decided he was going to try and break dance in front of 200 people with a tie wrapped around his head. But you marked it. Somehow. And Isaiah marks this life-changing event with the details. In the year King Uzziah died, that is the day. On that day, Isaiah saw the Lord. That's the verb of this whole passage. Now, why in the world would, I mean, we're, we're getting this glimpse for, for seven or eight verses 
of God's throne room. I mean, like the holy of holy of holies. This is like a one glimpse into it. And I'm going to stop at this little three-letter word. And we're going to run with it. Even though it's the word that's like a blink and you miss it kind of thing. Why? Because these three letters change Isaiah's life and change his ministry. And he can do the exact same thing for you. See, Isaiah probably knew a lot about the Lord. I mean, he was probably the biggest prophet we have in the Bible. Probably had read and said everything that human beings understood or knew about God. And you know, he could probably have filled libraries with all of that head knowledge. But the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. And all of a sudden it became a whole new volume for Isaiah. So back when we lived at our old house on the south end of town, we would drive a different route to take Rachel to school. Now we get to come in through the north side, but before we kind of get out of town, and we'd take Whit back and then get up onto Hogback and take that off to Seven and up to East Town. And during the fall, as we'd come up Whitbeck, we'd start to get ready to make that turn onto, onto Hogback. I'd almost start to get giddy because it was one of the coolest scenes I have seen in this area. You just have this whole panorama of autumn creativity. I mean, all, the whole entire spectrum of color amongst the trees. You'd have, you contrast that with a, a perfect blue background in the sky, contrasting over the top of it. And if you caught the day or the time right, there'd be just like this little tiny bit of fog sort of hovering over the field. And it was just incredible to get to see. I mean, it, made, it was a scene that made Monet look like a, a kindergarten finger painter. And maybe it's, you know, a, a small scale example of this kind of thing. But here's the fact. Even the most skilled artist, even the most skilled photographer to go to that scene, to that corner of Whitbeck and Hogbeck and try and capture that scene and wouldn't even be able to come close. No matter how good, even if Monet himself were there. The other day, we were going out to dinner with some friends and on the drive down to Kennedy, we saw the, the coolest sunset. I mean, full like 360 panorama of purples and pinks and blues. As we're driving down, we're trying to find the right spot to be able to, to stop and try and take a picture of it. And it took us quite a while, but eventually, I mean, Rach got a, a pretty good shot there. And she did, I mean, she nailed a great shot at it. But I think we both agree, it doesn't do justice. I mean, being there live, it's so much more grand. The fact is, I can sterilize these kinds of events. I can say, I can Google how autumn colors change and and learn about how pigments, uh, how certain pigments develop and chlorophyll breaks down. And and I can learn about how, you know, light travels through the atmosphere and and light scattering and all that sort of thing, how that builds the spectrum of, of of a sunset. And it'd all be great for a meteorology class or a botany 101 class. But it does nothing to even try and capture the grandness, the awesomeness, the greatness of the God who created these events 
and these pictures. Any more than a little 8x10 tries to capture a sunset in a, in a way that's better than seeing it live. So that's the difference between knowing about God and seeing God. Isaiah sees God in all his glory, in that throne room, that holy of holy of holies. And his life has changed forever. And the event is marked. He says, you know what? In the year King Uzziah died, I remember that was the day I saw the Lord. Try saying to your neighbor now, God is awesome. But Isaiah looks face to face into that awesomeness. And he realizes how totally unworthy he is to be experiencing that scene. He says in verse 5, Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Other translations will read this verse, I'm ruined, I'm as good as dead. It's like Isaiah saying, relative to God, I'm warm food. I mean, this is Isaiah saying this. Again, this is like our biggest prophet of all of Scripture saying, I'm ruined. I'm as good as that. I'm warm food. That'd be similar to Billy Graham or Mother Teresa saying the exact same thing. Now, most people would look at somebody like Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, whether you're a believer or not, and say, you're like a Christian superhero. You're like a human superhero for all that you do or all that you did. And they'd be right. These are people who are superheroes in their own right. And yet they would still say, yeah, relative to God, I'm warm food. Because they get it. Ravi Zacharias, who's a, a Christian theologian and an apologist, he said it's so cool. In such a cool way, he says, Jesus Christ, when he talks about the reason Jesus came to earth, he says, Jesus didn't come into the world to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And in the midst of that unworthiness that Isaiah brings into the, tape, into the throne room, God shows how immensely gracious he is. And he says, he's kind of like gathering the angels around him. They have a little uh, celestial powwow with the seraphim, with the angels. He says, who's going to go for us? Who shall we send? And Isaiah over here in this conversation amongst the angels, he's like, I'll go, me, me, send me, here I am. He's like, I want to be all in serving this awesome God. I want to have everything about me serving this God, worshiping this God. And God, in all of his graciousness, says, okay, Isaiah, go. Now take this idea Envision that awesomeness of God that we've been trying to paint, trying to, to create. And this calling that I'm about to describe and how they intertwine together. So hang with me for a second. You ever look in the face of a baby? Before we had kids, Rachel and I, I think we were at the, the baby store shopping for one of our nephews or something like that. And I happened to, to pass a mother who had a three or four month old baby in the crib, or in the, the stroller. And I looked, and it was one of the first times that 
I mean, a baby looked back at me with like full expression, smiling, almost investigating my face. Maybe you've seen that kind of thing. And it, it was like the first time that it clicked for me. And this baby is as 100% human as I am. There's not like a humanity that develops or, or grows as they get bigger. Now I realize that may be like the, the biggest Homer Simpson dough statement I have made in 400 messages. And I knew it in my head. Being born, a baby is 100% human. I mean, what else? You know, it's not like 50% human, 50% something else. But it was like the moment that I finally got it. When that baby, you know, 10, 15 pounds is looking at me and, and with all expression and all the kinds of things only a human being can do. And God calls people, unworthy as they may be, to care for these babies. I mean, imagine that kind of calling and that kind of awesomeness and, and put those two together. You know, God has, has blessed me, has entrusted me with three of them. I don't know where in the world God thinks I, I'm going to have the sanity for this task for the, you know, the rest of my life. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it's just all the more reason that God says, hey, you're going to need to count on me a little bit more. And, you know, if that's the case, all right, I'm game for that. But here's the thing, and, and this is this whole message wrapped up into three statements. So hang on to this. You can get nothing else out of the picture that I'm trying to paint for you. God is infinitely awesome. We are not. Yet God uses us anyway. And try and wrap your head around that. And if your head doesn't hurt too bad after that, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to come up with three things. Scenes, events, pictures, images, whatever it is, that just kind of leave you speechless about the greatness of God and what it is that he does. Maybe you can steal what I have. You know, you can steal the idea of a, of a winter scene or the image of a baby or the fact that you have the love of your life in your life. Whatever it is that makes you go, wow, God is good. God is great. And I want you to, to use that as a way to kind of spark or catalyze your worship this week. See if that doesn't take your worship beyond just rope, mundane, duty, yay God, you're great. And takes your worship to the point where you say, on this day, I saw the Lord. My friends, repeat this prayer with me if you would. God, you are awesome. God, you are worthy of my worship. God, you are worthy of my worship. God, here I am. Send me. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org. Or if you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning. On next week's episode, we'll look into those times when we run into a problem or a dilemma and we know how to find the answer, but instead we build up walls that prevent us from going after it. I'll have a special guest as well, my partner in crime, Richard, and he'll share how this worship project we did together led to a life-giving moment of peace for one of his old friends. 
Check it out next time on the Woodlane Worship Podcast. <laughs>